mindfulness mode. We feel this rush of energy moving through us. And that inspiration allows us to stay in flow state longer. Hey, Mindful Tribe, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. I hope the start to the year has been terrific for you. In a moment, you will see why I chose today's guest to help us get 2024 off to the best possible start. We're talking about the power of breath, how you can experience more healing and more energy in your life. We talk about how professional athletes can achieve more success and how you can too, Mindful Tribe. My guest is an expert at a practice that over 50 million people actively participate in on a daily basis. Did you hear that? Wow, he's been fundamental in bringing this ancient Chinese practice to the modern world. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's fascinating guest. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about the world's most popular physical exercise. And can you believe it? There are 50 million people practicing this worldwide every single day. And it's based on a science that improves the energy life force of individuals. And it activates a dormant energy through a series of breathing and meditative exercises. So if you're wondering what this system is, well, it starts with the letter Q. And it's pronounced Qigong. And I'm here with an expert on this particular practice. He's a master of this ancient art of Qigong. I'm here today with Lee Holden. Lee, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in mindfulness mode. Thanks, Bruce. (laughs) I like how you introduced that. It starts with the letter Q because you know what? The hardest part about this practice is how to spell it. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Q I G O N G, but it's pronounced Qigong. Yeah, that is one of the right. the most unusual things. But I'm really excited to talk to you, Lee. So, what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, you know, mindfulness. When I break it down, I'm thinking fullness of mind. And then we got to define what does mind mean. You know, so what's the fullness of the mind? means you know really and if i simplify it it's it's bringing the fullness of my attention into the moment rather than having it be scattered through a free association process past future this problem that problem just get grounded in the moment pay attention to where you are um you know the mind in a qigong sense has three aspects when we define it it's attention what we paying attention to it it's also intention and then it's awareness. And so that would be sort of the qualities of chi associated with the mind. And when we're doing a qigong practice, we're going to lean into the mind as part of the exercise, because this is not like going to the gym where you want to get out of your mind. You know, you see people on those elliptical machines watching TV like this is going to be painful, but I'm going to tune out. This is like a practice of tuning in. So I really thinking of mindfulness as getting into the moment, tuning in. And then, you know, another aspect I think is just really getting to know yourself. Who, who am I on the inside without all the noise of external stimulation, uh, future thinking and past rumination? Who, who am I in this moment? 
Who am I? Who am I? Yes. Great question to ask. Lee, you have helped over 10,000 students break through their barriers and uncover like their, their issues with injury or disease, help them with their energy level. How did you get into this practice of Qigong originally? Yeah, Bruce, and they, that's a great question. And it's, you know, we have we have 10,000 or so people that got went through our teacher training. So, uh, you know, the the PBS show has reached, um, you know, in the 40, 50 million households. Wow. Uh, you know, so it got it got really popular on public television for me. The show that we produced it was called Less Stress, More Energy. And it seemed to take off uh, in that market, which was, you know, a surprise for me. And it was really, really great. Now, you know, pe people have a hard time with Qigong because like you said, and like I said, it's hard to spell. It's hard to pronounce. It, it looks funny right from the get-go. And so people often think, okay, that's not for me. But really it is. This is an accessible form of movement that creates healing in the body. And quite simply, Qi means life force energy. And so... It's just the force that keeps us alive. You know, it is this mystery and magic and miracle that allows our hearts to beat, our lungs to breathe, and our minds to think. That's what she is. It's aliveness. And so when we think about something that's dead or alive, the difference is chi. The difference is chi. So chi is like this bioelectricity, and it's different than the electricity running through your walls and powering your appliances. It's life force energy, and it's mysterious, but there's a way to work with it, and the work is called gong. How do we work with life force energy in skillful ways to make ourselves healthier, happier, and more fulfilled? That's that's the whole goal of the practice. We're, we're here with this life force energy that's been gifted upon us by you know, the divine of some sort. It's mysterious. And how do we work with it to, to fully enjoy our lives? And Qigong is the practice of that. And Lee, how old were you when you first discovered Qigong? You know, I was about 18 years old. 18 years old. I, there I was studying psychology and playing soccer at UC Berkeley. And I had um, an injury playing soccer. And I went through all the Western medicine sort of channels. I got the cortisone shot in my back. Mm -hmm. I took the painkillers and I still had back pain. But now I had some side effects from the medication. I had some, you know, nausea and stomach aches. So now, and now I was really bummed out because now I had back pain. I wasn't playing soccer and I was, you know, pretty much had a stomach ache all day long. And I had, I had taken some martial arts classes as a kid. And I remembered some of my teachers talking about chi. And when one particular teacher broke a big stack of bricks, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, whoa, that was so cool. How'd you do it? And he said, chi. Mm -hmm. But he he emphasized that chi was for healing. Oh, yeah. So I was like, I got to get me some of this chi now because my back hurts. And I, I went back to the martial arts studio. And sure enough, there was somebody teaching Qigong exercises uh, and doing acupuncture. So I did some acupuncture. I learned some Qigong exercises. And I was feeling really good after just a couple of treatments. And um, my question at that time as an 18 year old was why aren't more people doing this? Because I felt great. I felt this thing called energy in my body after practicing it. And so I started, I started talking about it to my friends at, 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 in college and my teammates. And I, I never stopped talking about it. You know, I just got on a kick and instead of getting a job, uh, quote unquote, a real job after I graduated, I went to Asia and learned Qigong. I did 12 
12 trips to Asia in my early 20s. Wow. Wow. And when did you start your business, HoldenQigong.com? I know that's your website, HoldenQigong.com. When did you start yeah. all, of, all of this? Well, before that, I had LeeHolden.com and I was doing Qigong classes. Okay. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, I was doing um, classes all through Silicon Valley, wellness days at corporations, uh, ongoing classes at fitness clubs. You know, I was teaching, you know, one day I was at a fitness club as a, as a, at a Jesuit retirement center and I taught a summer kids camp for eight-year-olds all in one day. I was oh. like, man, I'm teaching Qigong for a big, diverse audience. And, um, you know, it was, it was through those experiences that I said, you know what, I want to I want to bring this to more people. So I started holding Qigong to really bring it out online so people can take classes with me online over zoom uh we put all instead of having dvds we put all, all these online condition specific practices together so if somebody has high blood pressure back pain digestive issues you can go there <clears throat> and really learn routines that will help heal your body uh, and that was like really passionate for me i wanted to give people routines like i was able to learn to help me heal and i i saw over the years i've just done you know 20, 30 condition specific routines, as well as just ongoing health and prevention uh, for people to just dive into this practice even more. Well, can you crush this myth? Someone said to me, oh, Qigong, I think that's just for seniors. Where uh, did people brain. get this idea? Can you help uh, us with that? Bruce, I loved how you phrased that question because it is, it's like, oh, that is for the old people in the park in China with the silk robes. Right. And it's just a myth and a superstition because Qigong is really something we can use in modern life. In fact, I think it's more applicable now than ever before because we have kids that are on devices and getting depressed and anxious and don't look inward. They don't know how to be quote unquote mindful as we were talking about. Um, we have people in a Western medicine healthcare system with side effects and long month month waiting periods to even get to see a healthcare practitioner. And then you get to the hospital, you get to your doctor's visit and it's you know quick, you're in, you're out, you weren't listened to. And it's like, what can I do for myself uh, for health, healing and wellness? And um, I think people need answers. And if you're a, if you're an athlete, you know I teach qigong to lots of athletes. If they're you're an athlete, you need recovery days. You need you can't just be go 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 mode all the time. You need to rest and recharge. And it's it's similar to meditation. You know it's going to help your stress levels. If it helps your stress levels and you're breathing better and you're more mindful and you're also being mindful while you're moving your body, you're going to get tremendous benefit uh, in, in terms of health and longevity. Well, you've recorded quite a few TV shows about this. I know you made reference to one of them. Do you remember the first time you were on set to record a TV show and what that was like? How did that feel? Oh my God, that's great, Bruce. I, I do. I, I was. It was 2006, and I've already I've already recorded many DVDs. So at that time, I was filming DVDs. But you know, you could stop. You know, take two, take three, take four. Right. Well, when I came on TV, it's live. You know, I was either on morning show, morning news shows, mm -hmm. or on PBS for pledge drives, and it's live. It's like cameras on. The cameras are way bigger. There's lots of lights. And there's 
you know, 10 or 15 people in the studio managing, manning all these different uh, cameras and they were answering pledge calls too. So there's a whole bunch of people answering phones. I was very nervous. I was really nervous. So I, I, I did my Qigong before getting on set. The interviewer was, was fantastic. And um, it was a pledge drive and I was sandwiched in between um, Wayne Dyer and Yanni. So it was it was wow. like Wayne Dyer was on and he was Mr. PBS at the time. And then me, my first pl pledge show and the producer of the station said, you know what? You only got one chance at this. Most exercise shows don't they fail. So don't get your hopes up. And she was like, and besides it, it sounds funny. Qigong, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, nobody's going to pledge this. So don't get your hopes up, basically. And I was like, <laughs> man, I got to. I got to cancel that out. I'm getting my mind, uh, you know, my intentions worked up. So I hope because if if it does well, it goes national. If it doesn't do well, you you have one show and you're off. Right. And so it it outpledged Wayne Dyer that day. Oh, it did. Wow. It did. And so the lady was like, "How did this happen? Nobody ever outpledges Wayne Dyer." And all of a sudden, Bruce, it was national. That's it just incredible. like the alert went out. PBS was sh showing this show. Uh, in all the 10 top markets and all across the country. Um, and I was, I, I didn't even have a website. I, I had, you Google Lee Holden Qigong and you got my home phone number. That was it. Wow. It was hilarious. So I was getting like 50 phone calls a day for people trying to order my Qigong programs. And we we quickly got a website and got the business running. And that's how it started. That's an amazing story, Lee. That yeah. is just awesome. And I want to ask you about Wayne. Have you ever met Wayne Dyer? Or what, Absolutely. Have, have you tell us oh, yeah. about that? Yeah, Wayne was, he's such an eloquent guy and totally. so smart. You know, um, at that time, it was before he did um, his deep dive into the Tao Te Ching. Mm-hmm. So if people don't know, the Tao Te Ching is this old classic book on Taoism from China, and it, it's the second most widely read book in the world. Yes. The Tao Te Ching, uh, next to the Bible. Yeah. Some people think next to Harry Potter, but no, <laughs> it was next to the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he he spent like a year just going through those passages. And, um, you know, sometime after I met him, um, you know, either on PBS or at speakers engagements, um, he came out with his his Tao Te Ching uh, interpretation yeah. and PBS show around the Tao Te Ching. And it was fantastic. So we had a lot to talk about. I bet you did. Taoism is the root of Qigong as well in Chinese medicine. And, you know, Tao Te Ching is a philosophy where Qigong is a practice based on that philosophy. And um, part of how Qigong originated was mirroring the movements of nature just like let's go be mindful out in nature and see how this works and see what our place is in nature and um the movements the meditations kind of followed from there you know bruce qigong is a is a practice it's about four or five thousand years old it's part of chinese medicine and um it's it's just starting to become more popular in the west um, but it's very popular, like you said in the beginning of the show, it's the most widely practiced form of exercise in the world. And it, and it's been so for thousands of years. And why? Well, it works. And it works really, really well. It's, it really does. And, you know, speaking of the Tao Te Ching, I listened to Wayne with that book that he wrote hundreds and hundreds of times. And it was just so powerful. It, I, it, I never got tired of it. So That's incredible, awesome. yeah. But speaking of writing, you've written 14 books. I understand you did them as a ghost writer. Tell us, well, maybe That's 12 right. books. Is that it? 
Yeah, something like that. You know, I was part of a team that helped write um, a Qigong master's books. Um, this is my early 20s. This is why I did all those trips to to Asia. Okay. <clears throat> he was in he was based in northern Thailand in a city called Chiang Mai. Uh -huh. But always when I flew to Chiang Mai, I had to go through China. So I was like, hey, I'm in China. I'm going to stay here for a couple of weeks and go to the parks, go find teachers. So I would do that. Mm -hmm. And then I would go study with uh, Montak Chia in northern Thailand and write his books. I, I would go over to his house every morning before class started at like 5 a.m. And we'd train and talk about different practices. So it was, it was definitely a, kind of a karate, my karate kid moment of of studying one-on-one -on -one with, with probably at the time one of the world's most authorities on Taoism. Mm -hmm. um, he was traveling the world and especially in the Western world. He He was really translating all these sort of esoteric practices into English for Westerners. And uh, he had a team of people like myself and we were working on his books and it just helped me really dive into the material in a much deeper level than let's say I was just taking his classes because I had to explain it. I had to write it. I had to write up chapters and books. And, you know, I, I eventually co-authored a book called Simple Qigong with him. Um, and in fact, I'm working on my own book right now, Bruce. I, I, I just got a, a thumbs up from a publisher. It, it won't be out till 2025, early 2025. It's called The Power of Slow. Oh, well, that was going to be my next question. What about a book from Lee? And so that's it, Bruce. You, the power you nailed of slow. It. So, can you give power us slow. can you give us a little inside look at what is the power of slow? What does this even right. mean? Right, and and I'm taking qigong principles of slowing down. You see, when you do qigong, you're moving your body very slowly with relaxation. Uh, why? Well, when you move slowly. With relaxation, it gets you into flow state. When you slow down your body and you slow down your breath, your mind is going to follow suit. You're going to slow down your mind. So people can even try, take a, about a five-second inhale mm -hmm. and a five-second exhale. And all of a sudden, you'll feel that you drop in to the moment because you've slowed down your body, your mind slows down. So there's going to be lots of integration between slowness uh, modern life and why it actually makes us more productive and efficient by slowing down. See, the misconception is if we go fast, we'll get more done and we'll be more efficient. And actually, it's kind of counterintuitive. But when you slow down, you're more mindful. You regain and replenish your energy. So you have more energy where you're also not stressed out. So your your mind and your thinking isn't scattered. And you are very efficient. And when you do it, you do it well. And so we're going to do part of it is slow movement like Qigong, slow mind like mindfulness. And then we're going to integrate it. What about slow eating? What about slow uh, breathing? What about slow exercise? How this all fits into uh, a, a more proficient life for people and for readers and a lot of Eastern wisdom mixed in with Western science and research. Well, I can't wait to read this book, The Power of Slow, and I can't wait to hopefully interview you again, Lee, when this book comes out. That'll be exciting. That would be great, Bruce. I would love that. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Lee, I always ask a question about bullying on my show uh, okay. because I worked in this field for quite a long time, and I just wonder if you have a story you can share with us about bullying. Mm. It could be adult, it could be as a child, it could be in business, but a, a situation where mindfulness would have made a difference. Mm, God, that's so great. I mean, it's apropos for me because I have 
teenagers. Uh, Bruce, I have uh, a 12 year old, I have twin 15 year olds and I have a, a three year old. Oh, do you? So all four of them are girls. And, you know, uh, I, you know, you get to see bullying from many different lenses, you know, you know, it can be from a social lens where people are just leaving somebody out or being catty or name calling or things like that. And I remember talking to my, my older girls about this. There was an incident where one of the girls had a, a political view that wasn't in alignment with, uh, with theirs, uh, it, you know, around a presidential candidate. And, you know, these kids are there. They really take their parents viewpoints and they hold strongly to them. And I was sure. trying to explain, let's, let's expand our minds, guys. Let's, let's step into her shoes because they were, you know, their whole, these kids were really ganging up on her and she was in tears and crying. It was one of their friends and they didn't know how to quite feel or navigate it because they were sort of being put in the middle. Whose side are you on? Mm-hmm. And I said, why don't we just step out of the whole thing and get a bigger panoramic lens and that for me is a is a technique for mindfulness if we can if we get more spaciousness in our mind and 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 less myopic on a circumstance we're going to we might even see solutions and so we did a little thing where we stepped out we stepped into her position we stepped into their other friend's position uh we stepped into a sort of a global position and then um and then uh, we also added compassion so let's let's feel compassionate for the people and their perspectives and understand why they're coming from the place that they are and for them it was very helpful and i remember them getting on a phone call with the friend that was so upset because she was being bullied by other people that didn't hold her point of view and then they got on a phone call with with their other friends and gave a little you know feedback and and all of a sudden the whole situation you know in a day or two dissolved and everybody was good um that was my most recent you know from a first-hand experience but you know i think bullying is it's huge and I think practices like mindfulness and Qigong can be very helpful in that we get a sense of ourself. You know, as human beings, we're so socially intertwined with our peers that we feel our very life is dependent upon our social circles. And when you have mindful practices, when you have Qigong practices, you can really say, hey, is this is this life-threatening or am I just getting picked on or am I just not part of the group? And it really helps you to get clear, clear and strong within yourself. From there, what I find is that answers and courses of action come from a centered, clear, clear space. Um, and and then better outcomes happen, you know, because there's some situations where, yes, bullying can be life threatening. But lots of times it's a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of emotional energy. Um, and then we're not clear. So, you know. People don't want to be, uh, they just get, they just hold all that internalized stress and oppression without clarity and without a feeling of themselves. So I think that's where mindfulness and Qigong can really help us to feel stronger within ourselves, where we can actually ask for help, where we can say, hey, this is not okay. Who, who, where are my resources? Where is my, my team? And I don't need to be necessarily part of that tribe that's picking on me. I'm going to, I'm going to place myself in better circumstances and, um, I think courses of action, there's many, uh, they're challenging, but w- when you come from a place of power inside yourself, we feel a whole lot better in the external world that often we feel powerless. 
That's fantastic. Thanks for that insight, Lee. I want to ask you this. Let's say I'm a listener right now and I think, wow, I'd love to jump on a on a call or get on my computer or whatever and maybe get involved in a little uh, Qigong with Lee. How would I go about doing that? Oh, great, Bruce. Thank you so much. I think easy for me uh, and to connect with my classes, holdenqigong.com, like you said, and Qigong, Q-I-G-O-N-G. Uh, and I have ongoing classes. You can come take a class with me three times a week, live on Zoom. Um, you could do it live before class. If you come on live, I do a Q and A. People come up, what do I do about my shoulder pain? I got high blood pressure. And, you know, I'm getting my kids are getting bullied at school, and I give people answers from a Qigong perspective. Mm-hmm. And then we do an hour of class. It's 50 minutes of Qigong and a 10, 15 minute meditation at the end. Um, and then also, also that's called video class subscription. Then I also have all these just programs for conditions on the same website where you can say, okay, I got high blood pressure. I got low back pain. I got digestive issues. I have insomnia. Here's my routine. And usually what I recommend is people do the live classes or the subscription classes. And then a couple of times a week, do your condition specific thing. And that gives you the best results. I don't know if listeners know this, but Qigong comes from a a medical history of prevention. So the way this medicine used to be practiced was that you would pay your healthcare practitioner, Qigong included, and as long as you were healthy, you continued to pay. As soon as you got sick, you stopped paying. So you got a headache, you got digestive problems, you got something wrong. You're like, hey, we're not doing our job. Our job as medical practitioners is to keep you healthy. You stop, don't pay when you're sick, pay when you're healthy. And guess what? These practitioners were motivated to keep people healthy. There's no motivation to keep us healthy in Western society. The motivation is sick care, not health care. And so if people are sick, you know, medical establishments, whether it's pharmaceuticals or hospitals or whatever is going to make money. And it is a big, huge business. And uh, we as individuals need to remember that. It's not that the business and the of medicine is wrong. It's just motivated by sickness. And we have a great emergency sick care system. You know, the technology is fantastic. You don't want to go see a Qigong practitioner when you broke your arm or in a car accident. No, go to the hospital. But to keep you healthy, to keep you uh, feeling vibrant and vital, Qigong is a great resource. You don't go to the doctor and say, hey, I'm healthy. I feel great. How do I feel even better? How do I maintain this? That's not their expertise. This is Eastern medicine expertise. In fact, Qigong was called the art of preventing disease and prolonging life. So it's a practice of healthcare, vitality, energy, and longevity. Uh, that's really interesting to know. Lee, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence for you in your life? Uh, Montak Chia, early days, like I was talking about. Um, mindfulness on energy. I, I feel like, you know, there's many layers of mindfulness. And if we can get mindful or aware of our internal energy system. That's a deep part of who we are. And he was so influential for me to feel that chi, that life force energy when I was studying early days. Wow, that's fantastic. How has mindfulness helped you deal with your emotions differently? 
Oh, it just gets me out of my head so that I don't stack emotions on top of emotions on top of emotions. I can feel the emotion. I can drop into the moment. And then what I do is do something called transforming negative emotions, neutralizing them into being centered in the moment. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Well, tell us about breathing. Is there some insight you can give us or some thoughts on breathing? Uh, this is still 30 seconds, right, Bruce? Because I can do a whole <laughs> two, three hours right I now. I bet you just... could. Breath is life. I mean, breath is chi. When you take a deep breath, you are bringing energy into your body. And that was what sustains and keeps you alive. You breathe about 20,000 times a day, but not all of those breaths are equal. So if you're breathing shallow, you're sending a message to your nervous system, I'm stressed out. If you breathe deep and full, you're sending a message to your nervous system, I'm relaxed. So slow, deep breathing and being attentive to your breath is going to bring you into the moment. It's going to clear stress out of your nervous system and you're going to be more grounded and balanced. Yeah, that's an excellent answer. Yeah. So any books that you recommend that are based on mindfulness? Well, let's go with the breath again, because uh, one of my favorite books recently, and now he's a good friend of mine, it was called Breath by James Nestor. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he would be a great guest for you, Bruce. I would uh, love to have him on the show. Yes. Yeah. He's a, his book, Breath, just went through the charts. It's fantastic. It's written from a like almost like a storytelling perspective, but he just goes through many, many different breathing exercises and practices, where they come from, why they're important, how they're relevant. So I love that book, uh, just as a segue to to what we were talking about in breath. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was just talking about that book on an earlier, uh, it was a teleseminar I was on earlier. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's a great yeah, book. He's for been sure. right here in the studio with me. I've done a bunch of interviews on him. And uh, oh, nice. Yeah, he's, he's great. Fantastic. Okay. Are there any apps that you recommend that can help with mindfulness? I mean, you know, I, I really want to do a Qigong app, uh, but I think, you know, we're in the process of creating a Qigong app. Um, I do have some programs uh, on on a, a different publisher's app called YMAA. There's a bunch of Qigong apps on there. Um, but, you know, for me, I like Insight Timer. Oh, yes. yeah, that's I have, I have a bunch of meditations on Insight Timer. Oh, okay. We'll check that out. They're, they're five, five to ten minute meditations. So if you're on Insight Timer, timer uh, you can find me on there for some of the meditation work that I do. Oh, fantastic, Lee. That's great. I'll check that out. So as we wrap up the interview, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show, but do you have any final words of advice for our Mindful Tribe listeners? Uh, Mindful Tribe, I mean, I think, you know, stay in the flow because flow state is really when your present moment awareness practice gets stitched together in a continuity where you feel mindful, you're in the moment, but also your energy gets elevated. So we feel this rush of energy moving through us. And that inspiration allows us to stay in flow state longer so that we're the best version of ourselves as we go through our day. Well, Lee, thank you so much for that. And thank you for taking the time to be on Mindfulness Mode today. I really enjoyed it, Bruce. Great questions. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. You have a great rest of your day, Lee. You too. Bye now. Bye, y'all. 
Once again, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening. Happy New Year. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.